Christmas is for the brokenhearted too, right? I think we often think of Christmas for the innocent babes and for the star-crossed lovers. But Christmas is for the weary, the Grinch, the single parent. Christmas is for all of us. Not just those living in joy, but also those in sorrow. And just felt like someone here needed to hear that today. Our Christmas series this year is Promise to Present. And we're diving into some of the timeless truths of the Old Testament, these prophetic passages that foreshadow the miraculous birth of Jesus Christ. And with every promise that's fulfilled, we gain this hope and this anticipation for what is to come, for the amazing faithfulness of God's salvation to us. Last week, we took the promise of the Bethlehem star. And this week, we learn of the sign of Emmanuel. And these are the pieces of promise that point us towards a future of anticipation for God's unchanging plan of salvation. So would you stand with me for the reading of God's word this morning in Isaiah? It is Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14, and nine, two, and six. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor and Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So in this passage, Isaiah is an Old Testament prophet, and he is inviting the people of God to trust in God when it's a dark time in their history. At this time, King Ahaz of Judah is threatened by larger nations, by armies, and he is desperate for deliverance. But he didn't want to ask God for a sign of his favor. Sometimes we're stubborn like that, are we not? But God provided a sign anyway. And so this original context of Emmanuel, God with us, is God's protection of his people at a dark and desperate time in their history. And Judah, Judah was not faithful to the covenant of God, but God was faithful to his covenant people and protected them on account of his righteousness. 
And so the way that these prophecies work is is fast forward uh, their timing from one situation to the next. And so a few hundred years later, moving to the New Testament and Matthew, the Israelites are yet again an oppressed people under the Roman Empire, longing for freedom, longing for for God's hope in the midst of of a dark situation. And the sign of Emmanuel emerges again. Matthew 1, Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph and she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And the Lord appeared to Joseph and said to take her as his wife because she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through that prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. When things are dark and hard, God has always been about getting us out of darkness, but God's way is not around the darkness, rather, but through it. And this is what Emmanuel, God with us, means light moving through the dark. Light, light. I've been thinking about this word, light. Remember hiking in the Swiss Alps. It was uh, when I was in my 20s, and we got up to this alpine lake. It was a glorious day, green hills, and this lake was pure blue, like azure. And the sun was coming down, and it was glittering on the waves. And I remember thinking, this is the definition of glitz. It was just this emanating, radiant brilliance of light. I remember it to this day. Contrast that with hiking in Albania. There's a system of caves there. And I'm kind of an explorer, and I loved getting into these caves, but I would only go so far into the cave. Why? Because they are pitch black, pitch black. And during the war, these caves were actually used to be tunneled through the mountains. And so you could go all the way through a system of labyrinth if you were one to brave the dark. This is how we live, somewhere between the caves of the dark and the glittering light of day. Don't we live our lives in between the light and the dark? Let's walk through scripture and analyze this light. In Genesis 1-3, God began with creating light. He said, in the beginning, God created, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, and it was good. There was light and it was good. 
But Isaiah 24, it, it, it teaches us what happened with that light as humans walked around on the earth. We saw that the earth became defiled by sin and its people. And they disobeyed the laws and they violated the statutes and they broke the everlasting covenant and therefore a curse consumes the earth. Mm. And its people must bear its guilt. And so this is how our world begins to feel dark and cold and uncertain and unwelcoming. Can you feel some of the ache of that curse today? I think we all can feel some of the ache of that curse. And so, and so, in Isaiah, it says they will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. Nevertheless, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. The people walking in the darkness have seen a great light. There is good news. In John chapter 8, Jesus, who became the God with us in the babe form later in his ministry, says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will never walk in the darkness, in the caves, in the tunnels. But they will have the light of life within them. And this is the Christian life, is that the light has come to us and the light will remove that curse and the light brings an everlasting life. In Colossians, it says that we've been rescued out of the kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of light, the redemption and forgiveness of sins we have in Christ. And so how much greater is the light within us? You see all the darkness in the world cannot put out the light of just one single flame. Jesus, the light of the world. I told you about how I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro earlier this year, but I didn't tell you how I almost failed. I thought it was time for that story. Mount Kilimanjaro is 19,341 feet high, and I had trained for six months, and it's a four-day trek up the mountain. And so I, I was prepared, I was ready, all of my hopes were anticipating on summiting this mountain. But on the third day, we did what you call an acclimation hike. It's where you camp and then you go to a higher altitude to get your lungs stretched out. And on that hike, I completely lost my breath. It's where the air is so thin that you, you're gasping and you're almost hyperventilating and you can't breathe. And I had a certain fear enter in that I wasn't going to make it to the top of the mountain. And sure enough, they took my oxygen levels and they were very low. And I started crying because I thought, I knew it, I've come this far, but I'm not gonna make it. And so doubt entered my mind. 
The next day, we prepared for summit night. It's 11.30 at night. It's pitch black. It's cold. Four layers of smart wool and Gore-Tex and, you know, all, all the ways to, to prepare for this arduous climb up. And so we begin in the middle of the night, pole, pole, slowly, slowly, so that we wouldn't lose our breath. And I could feel my body getting tired as we went up the switchbacks and I thought, I don't know how much more I can get through this. I'm at the end of my strength. And they said, just a little bit farther, just a little further. And we got to that point and I started smiling and laughing and high-fiving. I said, let's take a picture. And I said, Beth, this isn't the summit. (laughs) What? It was just the next pit stop. I seriously felt completely deflated. I thought, I can't go on. I don't know how I I could ever make it. In fact, there's a really great picture of me on an inhaler breathing for my asthma. (gasps) And I set down my pack and I thought, I don't think I can go any further. And one of the guides came by me and said, Beth, let's go slow. Let's just go slow. And my friend Danielle said, Beth, let's just try going slow. It's just over there. And so I started moving very slowly, step by step. And I was struggling with the lack of oxygen and I I stumbled and I put my hand on the shoulder of the guide And in fact, I felt a surge of of energy and I felt some strength that this other human was gonna help me get there. And so I just left my hand on his shoulder for the duration of the rest of the hike. And he steadied me step by step all the way to the summit. And then he walked me all the way down the mountain. And later Danielle said, do you know what your guide's name was? I said, I have no idea. I'm just so thankful. I don't think I could have made it without him. She said, his name is Emmanuel. His name is Emmanuel. God literally sent the presence of strength to take me step by step when I had nothing else, when I couldn't move in my own strength. You see, God's way doesn't remove the obstacles, but he moves us through them with his power and his presence and his light within us. And see, this is how we know that God is with us. It often looks different than what we think. How do you think God with us is gonna show up? I know I I would like a knight in shining armor. I know that I would like a miracle. I know that I would love for the Red Sea to be parted. But when I look back in scripture, actually, there are some of those miracles, but there's a whole other set of circumstances that happen. Because God is a God of miracles, but God is a God of grit and perseverance and long suffering. And so yes, God parted the Red Sea, 
But did not Noah have to endure a flood and a storm for 40 days, tossed around in a little ark? Did not Joseph have to go through a pit and prison before he was elevated to a, a position of, of high honor? Daniel actually was probably terrified as he was thrown into a den of lions. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, <laughs> they went into the fire. They were in the furnace. They were in the flames and yet made a way through. And this is what God means in Isaiah 43 when he says this. He says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. And it goes on to say, since you are precious and honored in my sight and because I love you. God's way doesn't always remove the obstacles, but he moves us through them. And maybe it's not the peace that you asked for. But he shows up and you know that you're held. Maybe it's not the timing that you expected, but there's a contentment within you. Maybe the situation is more complex than you imagined, but you're given a moment of wisdom. Maybe the answer is no, but you are seen by a loving God. God with us doesn't mean that the troubles are erased. No, it means that God is perfect and is with us in our troubles. And so our circumstances, they fail us. They do fail us, but our eyes are on God. God with us, and because we have a God who is with us, we can become a people among others. A people among others. When I think about Jesus's life, Jesus's life was not one who was like unscathed, like, like the cherub baby that we see in the manger. Maybe that's how it started, but do you remember how it actually started? That God left the heavenlies and didn't consider that something to be grasped, but made himself like a servant was born in poverty, in a manger, who understood what it meant to be a refugee and to live unhoused and to be betrayed by your best friend. This is our God. We have a God who felt pain and endured agony and went to the cross victorious over that darkness and sin. And so we're not an unscathed people. We are a scarred people. We are a scarred people following a scarred savior with hope. Christ within the hope of glory. And so that makes us a people 
not afraid to walk by those who are condemned. That makes us a people who are not nervous around the unstable or put off by those who aren't all put together because we follow a God of grit and long suffering in the mess with us. And Christ with us becomes all we need to be a people among others. And so church, we live between two advents. The first, the coming of Jesus as a Messiah, born of a virgin, and the second, when Christ comes in glory. And in fact, scripture, I love how it starts with light and it ends with light. It ends in this beautiful passage of Revelation that talks about how God's dwelling place is among the people and he will dwell with them, no veil. He will be God with us in every way. And we will be his people and God himself will be with us and will be our God. And there will be a time when there's no more tears and no more crying and no more broken hearts. And all the old order of darkness has been passed away because God himself will be in our midst. And Revelation 22, 3, no longer will there be any curse. Can you not wait for that day? No longer will there be any curse. You see, we will see his face and there will be no more night and they will not need the light of the lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light. Emmanuel, the light of the world has come to us. Would you pray with me? Christ within the hope of glory, we thank you for the gift of your light in a beautiful but broken world. Thank you for sending Emmanuel, God with us, to be with us every step of the way. Thank you that you are the one who is with us wherever we are. Fill us with your light today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.